it going today, guys? We're back here live in the studio for another episode of Hot Takes with CP3. Once again, I'm your host, Thomas Penling, coming to y'all live on Wednesday, November 3rd, 2021, joined by Ben Gorwitz, and we are both fans of the world champion Atlanta Braves. Ben, let's go. How are you doing today? November 2nd, 2021, a day I'll remember for the rest of my life, man. Damn right. We'll always remember where we were for the game. Ben, did you do anything wild and crazy for the game last night? I was, uh, I'm back in Nashville. So I went to game five. I was lucky enough to go to game five in Atlanta and then came back to Nashville. I was at a bar for the first six innings. And when the Braves were, were up like five, zero, six, zero, right before I was about to leave, cause it was going to commercial break. And I lived like three minutes away from the bar. I went up to the bartender and said, Hey, do you guys, can I buy a bottle of champagne? And they were like, we don't sell any. I was like, you could have told me it was $200. My credit card was coming out either way. I wanted to buy a bottle of champagne and celebrate. What bar doesn't have champagne? Yeah, that's absolutely ridiculous, Ben. That honestly makes me mad for you. I, um, I'm not going to lie. I went the lame route. I didn't do anything for the about the first six innings of, my, of the game. I just sat at my apartment and watched the game just because – you know, there's a lot of people going to a lot of different places around here to watch it, especially the battery. But I was like, dude, I'm not about to go out to the battery if we were to somehow lose this game and be stuck out there drunk and have to work the next day hungover. So I ended up going down there to a bar below to celebrate the win. It was awesome just to see how lit the city was. The battery looked absolutely insane. Everything did. I mean, hey, man, the 26-year drought is officially over. I was born in 1995. That was the last time Atlanta won a championship. Here I am 26 years later getting to celebrate one. Um, the city is absolutely electric. It's a madhouse. I went to Dick's Sporting Goods and not shoot right before this podcast. There's about 200 people in there buying stuff. You can't find Love the that. paper. You can't find the paper anywhere. Luckily, my girlfriend picked one up for me. So it's been great. Everything but Ben, let's talk about these Braves, man. Honestly, let's do it. Alex Anthopoulos is the guy who's, who deserves all the credit for this team. So I screenshotted this tweet. I saw perfect timing right before we hopped on this podcast. Scott Coleman, the guy you talk, told me about, Ben, he tweeted this out. Braves Braves acquired all these people at the trade deadline. World Series MVP, Jorge Soler. NLCS MVP, Eddie, Eddie Rosario. NLDS hero, Jock Peterson. And starting outfielder, Adam Duvall. Who do we get those guys for? Casey Kalich, Pablo Sandoval, Bryce Ball, and Alex Jackson. Mm-hmm. Ben, I mean, we got Eddie Rosario for a dugout mascot. <laughs> no, we literally did. I mean, we literally traded these guys for absolutely nothing. I mean, Ben, let's talk about this team, man. What do you want to say about the resilience and how we persevered through? This is a team that was below 500 about, what was it, 100 games through the season? August. Yep, in they August. Spent, they, they spent 120-something days below 500. Um, out of the 162 they play in the regular season, man, they just never give up. They, they kept the good fight going. Uh, they always believe, even when Acuna went down, um, I think everyone knew they needed Freddie Freeman, their franchise player, to step up. He did just that. Um, you know, they acquired Adam Duvall, who played on the Braves two seasons ago, and he dominated. And then he went to the Marlins and then dominated the Braves. So when he mm-hmm. came back, all he did was dominate. I believe he led the National League in RBIs this year. I believe he, he was also led the National League in home runs, if not second. Um, man, the Braves, you know what it was? So the Braves hit 11 home runs in the World Series. The Astros hit two. They did that all year. The Braves finished the regular season in second in the National League behind the Giants in, in amount of home runs hit. And you know what? Were they Are they a great contact-hitting team? No. But they're one of the best power teams in the league. 
And the power surge didn't go away in the World Series. And you know what? Another point that uh, you're not seeing that often is the World Series MVP, Jorge Soler, had COVID and was not a part of the playoff game for the first couple of rounds. So the fact that he was able to just take 10 days off without swinging a bat mm-hmm. or whatever he was doing, um, I don't know how how affected he, he may have been. Everyone you know, is taking COVID a little differently. Um, he came in the World Series and absolutely dominated. He hit three go-ahead home runs in the yep. World Series. Freddie Freeman hit a total of five home runs in the postseason. I think that tied a, uh, a Braves franchise record. And you know what? Max Freed. Max Freed came up and he dominated that baseball game. He said his quotes were absolutely electric before he um, you know, started last night's game. He said, when you pitch bad, when you let your team down, all you want to do is get back out there and prove that you're the guy for it. Max Freed, congratulations. You're etched in Braves history. The craziest part about that start, too, was the fact they got those two infield hits and he got his ankle stepped on. He got his ankle stepped on, and I was sitting there for a second, and I was like – I don't know how I don't know how back your Braves memory goes, but if if your memory serves, Tim Hudson was covering first base not that long ago, got his ankle stepped on and broke his ankle. Yeah, I forgot about that. That's what I, that was my initial thought too. I was like, "Shit, Freed's out of the game. Here we go. Now we're about to lose this entire series." Next thing you know, Freed turns around, pretty much gets everybody out, gets out of the jam. I mean, I feel like that was the turning point. Honestly, I feel like him getting his ankle stepped on pissed him off and fired him up and locked him in. He's the first pitcher in MLB history in a world series clinching potential game to have um, six strikeouts, no walks and no runs allowed six or more strikeouts. I meant. That's insane. Mm-hmm. He dominated. Um, Brian Snicker fa- deserves a lot of credit. I know um, his decision-making, you know, a lot of Braves fans, including myself, have questioned him a little bit. I thought he managed a phenomenal, postseason um as you said alex anthopoulos and the rest of the front office staff deserve huge credit i feel bad for alex because he put this team together and unfortunately he tested positive for covid he was not able oh to that's why he wasn't down there he wasn't able to travel to houston for uh, because he tested positive for covid um man i i know that he had the biggest smile on his face um probably tears in his eyes i mean he can't even hug his family right now uh, you know, with him being quarantined. So I hope he's able to go. I think the parade's going to be Friday. I hope he's there for it. I don't know if he's going to be. That I'll man be deserves, there. The man deserves a statue for what he's done in Atlanta. Freeman deserves a statue. Brian Snicker deserves a statue. It, it's It's statue season. Hey, absolutely. And you know, Ben, we got plenty of room for those statues and the batteries, so might as well throw them out there. Look, I think my favorite part about this team is me and you, I mean, we watched probably more games than most people do. You especially. I know for a fact you watched more games than I did this season. How many games do you say you watched this season? I probably sat down in front of my TV for about 130, 140 of them, and then the rest where I'm either out on vacation or maybe out at a bar. If I'm not watching it, I I follow on my phone. I I pay I follow all 162 every single year. Yeah, I definitely follow all 162. I would say I probably ended up actually watching 
about like 110 or so, I would say. Now, the ones I watched ninth inning, of inning all the way through, that's a different story. But I definitely watched a good bit, good like the good portions of each game. But I would say my favorite part about this season, Ben, is the fact that me and you would text back and forth weekly. And we would be like, if the Braves are getting hot, we'd be like, hey, maybe we're about to turn the season around. And we'd be like, hey, this season is about two losses away from slipping away from us. And it felt every single time the Braves would do just enough to keep their head above water. And then finally, we played our best baseball at the right time. I mean, we had the worst record of every single team to make the playoffs by far. And that's including mm-hmm. four wild card teams. We had the worst record. I mean, we had a, there's a Dodgers and Giants team that both won 100 plus games, and we did not struggle against either team. The, I mean, the Brewers had one of the top pitching staffs in baseball. They had three starters made the All Star game. We rocked them. Um, rocked them. Uh, as you said, beat the Dodgers. The path the Braves had to take to get to the World Series was insanely difficult. Mm hmm. And no. you know what? I, I'm. You know what makes me just like the happiest thing is that, um. Well, well, two things. Before I say what makes what's like one of the happiest things for Braves country, is um, you know, unfortunately Hank Aaron's not with us anymore. You know, I'm sure he's smiling from up above. He would have loved to celebrate with the boys. Um, with the, the good news and and what makes me really happy is we do still have Bobby Cox. Um, obviously Bobby had that serious stroke a couple of years ago. And uh, he was able to fight through it. Brian Snickers said he was able to visit Bobby right before they flew to Houston. It's like, it's Brian Snickers, like best friend. Um, it's, I mean, he's, he's the, the father of all, of all Braves fans. He is Bobby Cox is, is literally Braves country. He is what the Braves are today is exactly what we embody. And uh, he, he's one of the, the most legendary pieces of all the, the Braves baseball history, especially when they moved to Atlanta. So, uh, you know, I'm sure he's smiling. Hopefully there's tears to his eyes. And uh, I'm glad he can kind of see that win because I know Hank Aaron would have loved it as well. But um, on a more happier note, on opening day, I put a future plus a thousand odds for the Braves to win the World Series. Cash that. Hey, there we go. Yeah, I had a nice little fifty dollar bet to pay for to play four hundred on the Braves to win the World Series that I cash. So I just went and used half of it on Braves gear at Dick's Sporting Goods. It's an absolute madhouse there. Um, look, I think my favorite part about this team winning the World Series is the fact the MLB came in and they did us absolutely dirty. Not only did they do us, yep. but they did our entire Atlanta community dirty, and they stole the MLB All Star Game from us because stupid fr- flipping Dave Roberts didn't agree with it and people started to speak up and just act like a bunch of bitches quite frankly i was absolutely livid ben was absolutely livid the entire atlanta was and look they screwed the entire community over there's businesses that were saying that they were dependent on that money because they were struggling from covid and they might have been screwed over from it but what did the braves do they brought people to the battery every single day to watch these games they not only did they lift up the entire community and help them all to survive through these tough times but they gave a big f you to the dodgers and all the mlb for taking it from us you know nobody wanted to see us win it they make fun of our chop they try to insult us for this that and the other and what do we do we came out and won the world series it was a land against the world not only did we lift the curse the city's had for 26 years but we lifted everything the braves of the world series champions yeah man it just tremendous accomplishment on top of the world I know. Any anything else you want to say about it before we move on to our other topics? I'm sure we could talk about this all day. Yeah, Will Smith deserves a lot of credit. He does. No runs, no runs in the postseason. The men showed up. Um, Matzik is. I mean, Matt, you could have made a case for Matzik to win MVP. Really could. Um, but I mean, it's just seeing Freddie get the ring that he absolutely deserves is uh, just 
I mean, his career is not over. He's got a long way to go. He's just cementing himself one day that he's going to be a Hall of Fame baseball player if he keeps this going. Um, he's certainly uh, on track. <laughs> I'll tell you that. So, yeah. just, you know, Freddie is Freddie's the best. You know, whether it's interviews or people seeing videos of Charlie or his kids on social media, he, he's the greatest franchise player you could want. You know, he, he just says all the right things. He always believes. He shows up every day plays almost every game he's just the best man i love that man yeah absolutely i love this team everything about it i love the entire formula and dna you know dansby dansby's a hometown kid grew up in went to marietta high school the fact that he the braves traded for him you get to play for your home team in front of all your family Mm -hmm. um him hitting that home run is just it, it you know it's just a great moment you know you can go on my twitter every time dansby does something big i always tweet in all caps dansby as in a middle name contract extension, Swanson. The man deserves a contract extension. He deserves to be the franchise shortstop for the Atlanta Braves for his home team. And you know what? That that would bring tears to my eyes if I was him. Being a hometown kid, growing up loving the Braves. Yep. He loves the Hawks. He loves the Falcons. He's a diehard Atlanta fan. I'll probably uh, support him. He does like a, like all loyal things Atlanta. He does like mm-hmm. that merch. I'll probably buy something to support him um it, it's great I'm, I'm just so happy man yeah no absolutely ben i'm so happy man i can't wait for the world series parade it's gonna be freaking awesome can't wait to celebrate with my fellow atlanta fans we haven't experienced anything like this before in, or at least in my lifetime in atlanta it doesn't count back when i was six months old just because i wouldn't even remember anything like that but yeah we could sit here and talk about this all day guys but we do have a lot of other big topics to get over to and we're gonna do that so we're gonna talk a little bit about college football we're talking about some trades in the nfl we're going to talk about um, some key injuries as well in the NFL and other things. Aaron Rodgers did test positive for COVID today and is out on Sunday. Um, love that. Not for him. I love that in terms of betting. I'll get to it when we talk about it. All right, perfect. Um, let's talk about first the college football Final Four. The college football released their first edition of the Final Four yesterday. Obviously, there's going to be lots of beef. This segment will definitely take a minute here. I think me and Ben will definitely have two different stances here, which is another good thing. Let's go ahead and talk about this thing right here, Ben. So, obviously, as expected, the number one team in the nation, once again, is the Georgia Bulldogs. Number two team, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Number three, Michigan State. Number four, Oregon. Five, Ohio State. Six, Cincinnati. Seven, Michigan. Eight, Oklahoma. Nine, Wake Forest. And ten, Notre Dame to round out the top ten. Um, look, I'm going to just go ahead and start out, Ben, who here with one thing they did right. One thing I thought they got right, which I actually love, is the fact they put Oregon ahead of Ohio State. They put Ohio State ahead of Oregon. I don't think there would ever be a point again of playing a big-time out-of-conference game. I mean, what's the point of if you're if you're Oregon and you go into the horseshoe and have the best win? Me and Ben talked on the phone about this yesterday. That is the best win in all of college football is Oregon going into the horseshoe and upsetting Ohio State. You don't rank yep. Oregon in, ahead of Ohio State. Why is Oregon going to do anything besides play Sacramento State, Portland State, and Northeastern California? You know what I mean? Like, why would they ever play a single good, a quality opponent ever again out of conference if they don't get it? I thought they got it right with that. Yeah, and there was, there was a clear theme. Um, so if you were watching the college football show, they started with 25 to 20, and then they, uh, you know, they show that first, and then they talk mm-hmm. about it. Then they go to the next set of rankings. In each set of rankings that they showed, there was the same theme across, and that was head-to-heads clearly matter. So let's go through this just real quick. At number 23 was Fresno State. Number 24 was San Diego State. Well, 
even though San Diego State's seven and one versus seven and two Fresno State, Fresno State just beat San Diego State. That's why San Diego uh, State is behind Fresno. Let's move up into the uh, middle of the pack, kind of. Kentucky is number eighteen, but then you look ahead and there's a three-loss Mississippi State team right above them. Why is that? Yeah. Because Mississippi State just beat Kentucky. And then you go all the way up into the four-five, and as you mentioned, Ohio State's five, Oregon's four. Why is that? Because Oregon beat them in the head-to-head. The reason why it doesn't matter for someone like um, Texas A&M, well, because they have two losses. Yeah, They don't have the same amount of losses as Alabama. If they did, they would be ahead of Alabama because the head-to-head clearly matters. So I think that's an interesting point by the committee. I think head-to-head should matter um, as for the same reason you said the game should have meaning to them. I'll, I'll get right into this with the with the top four. I'm shocked Alabama's two. I don't know why. I don't know how they're two. Um, you texted me before, and you said what what was my opinion? I had Mich- I had Georgia. I had Michigan State. I had Oklahoma three. I had Cincinnati four and Bama mm-hmm. five. But I said you could flip Cincinnati and Bama. Um, my reasoning that Cincinnati should have been in just to show that you even have a chance. Now that they're at six, mm-hmm. their chances of getting in are like below 10%, I would say. Um, which it sucks for them, but the the thing that I noticed, and I'm sure you noticed it too, you got penalized for not playing well against bad teams. For instance, Cincinnati in their last two weeks, keep in mind they're two they're undefeated. Their last two weeks, they won at Tulane 31-12 and then Navy 27-20 at Navy. Mm-hmm. Both not very good teams. Both spreads did not cover. They got penalized for that. The team that got penalized the most, in my opinion, was Oklahoma. Oklahoma barely beating Kansas absolutely screwed them, I think. Yeah, at least though they were consistent in that, you know, and they're penalizing Cincinnati yeah. and Oklahoma for barely beating on like trash opponents. But see, the thing is, they set everything up to play out. Wake Forest goes undefeated. Wake Forest probably slides in there. Oklahoma goes. Who would undefeated. they play? Who would they play in the ACC championship? That's a good question. So Wake Forest is in the um, they're in the Atlantic. So the coastal champion is either going to be Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh? Or, or possibly Miami. Miami now owns the tiebreaker with Pittsburgh and has a chance because Miami mostly got beat up on out of conference. So the coastal or the Atlantic, the coastal is a complete just like shit show right now. We really don't know who's going to pull it out there. But look, I think an undefeated ACC team with Wake Forest is going to get in there regardless. I, I feel like but, the, you know, but at that point, I, I'm not disagreeing with you necessarily. But I think they would need Pittsburgh to be ranked in the ACC championship game to actually give them another good win, Wake Forest. Yeah, see, I just don't think Wake Forest needs them. They're in a Power 5 conference. I think an undefeated Power 5 Wake Forest should get in there. At the same time, though, I really don't think Wake Forest is going to go undefeated as they play what would be considered an ACC gauntlet to close out. Question would be, does the ACC, being the worst Power 5 conference, get the Pac-12 treatment? (sighs) Have we seen an undefeated Pac-12 team get left out, though? I don't think we have. 
Maybe we haven't. Maybe we haven't. Maybe yeah, it's just we, one loss. Yeah, Washington and Oregon both got in there undefeated. They've never had a one-loss Pac-12 team get in there, though. Oregon's the first one that's actually had a chance. Oklahoma, look, Oklahoma still has to play Oklahoma State. They still have to play um, Baylor Iowa and Iowa State, and they also are going to have to play one of those teams again in the Big 12 championship if it happens. So there Good still luck. is a path for them to play everything out. Look, I'm going to say this for Cincinnati. I think they got it right with Cincinnati not being in, in there yet. I think, though, they don't do Cincinnati any any services, which kind of people – I was reading a lot on Twitter from Cincinnati people saying, like, they don't do them any honors. Like, none of Cincinnati's teams in their conference are ranked. Like, they can't get one lost SMU or Houston ranked in there. Instead, they want to rank these garbage teams out of the out of the whack and other conferences. I mean, they want to throw in here these trash Big 12 teams like Wisconsin. Wisconsin is freaking terrible, man. Like, they want to mm-hmm. throw these teams in here over them. I mean – I'm just saying, like, you want to put these three two-loss SEC, ACC, Big 12 teams in here, yet at the same time, you don't want to give any love to the one-loss teams from the AAC. So, I mean, it kind of sucks for Cincinnati. Their conference can't get any love, but, I mean, just is what it is. And, I mean, look, Houston actually does have a quality win. They did beat a Big 12 team. So, same thing with SMU. They both beat Big 12 teams, and neither team's getting any love right now. But, um, but anyway, I, 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 I feel like it's a tough road for Cincinnati. But I'm going to be honest with you, Ben. Look – I think Alabama probably is one of the four best teams, but I didn't think about it this way. And I kind of heard somebody else talking about this and I thought about it again. Alabama lost to Texas A&M with their backup quarterback. They should be getting penalized more from that. I think that I think more so that probably Ohio state or Oklahoma or wake forest should be in there ahead of them. But I think Alabama should still be ahead of Cincinnati. Yeah. Cause at the end of the day, you're not just comparing resumes. You're talking who's the actual better team. No, I do agree with you on that. But at the same time, you know, you got to look at Alabama. Like, who is Alabama really beaten? Alabama still has beaten Ole Miss, I guess. That's probably their – would you say that's their highest quality win? Yeah, I mean, yeah, at their highest quality. It, I don't know what the committee looks like. Does the committee look at the time you play those teams? Or do they look at it right now? Because Bama won at Florida when Florida was right outside the top ten. That's a phenomenal yeah. win. You look at Florida now, and they're they're crappy. The, the team sucks. So I don't know how they look at it. When Bama played Miami, Miami mm-hmm. was 14 in the country. Miami sucks. So I don't – like, to me, I don't consider blowing Miami out that great of a win. Um, I I still consider Florida because it's a really, really tough place to play. Yeah. And they want at Florida. But their best win, I would say, is Ole Miss because Ole Miss is ranked higher, and Ole Miss is actually a pretty good team. Yeah, and beating Mississippi State 49-9 to still looks a hell of a lot better now with the way Mississippi State's playing, too. So, you know, it definitely they goes three both ways. ways. They three-ranked wins, Mississippi State. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Mississippi State has some high-quality wins, and the fact they blew them out, that looks a lot better. I mean, Tennessee's playing better football. I don't. It's just tough, you know what I mean, to really grade these teams and rank everybody up right now. You just, everything's going to play out, and they kind of set everything up like that. I just feel like Alabama at two is a little bit disrespectful to these other teams. I really agreed with you and thought yeah, Michigan I, State should have been number two. Yeah. yeah, and I agree. The problem is not a problem because it gets everyone talking about it, but everyone, everyone, um, like grades the resumes and the eye test differently. Like mm-hmm. you and I might think differently. The committee probably thinks something different than we do. Um, so obviously, the only real opinions that matter is the committee. It's like an impossible debate to have because everyone's got different opinions. And if you're arguing with someone that you don't see eye to eye with, well, then you're never going to see eye to eye. You're having a, uh, a pointless argument at that point. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with you completely on that. It's like having a political debate between two different parties. They're never going to see eye to eye on it. 
Um, well, Ben, I can tell you one thing, though, that definitely did figure itself out a lot more for us, and that was what we visited last week at the College Football Heisman Trophy Award. Yeah. Last week, we had about six people we talked about. I think it is really down to pretty much two people at this point, and it's going to be yeah. between Kenneth Walker, who is four. It was either four or five touchdowns and 200-plus yard, total yards of offense, about five touchdowns, 200-plus yards of total offense. That definitely put, submitted him as number one as the odds are flexed as he's plus 143. But it's really going to be between him and Bryce Young to win this award. I mean, Bryce Young comes out and throws all over Georgia and beats them. I mean, if he has four touchdowns, 300 yards of total offense, he'll probably end up winning the award for doing that against this defense that has absolutely shut everyone down. Um, do you see anything different than me here on this? Um, well, first, let me – Bryce Young is playing LSU this week in Tuscaloosa. LSU is without four of their top five cornerbacks. Wow. So, I mean – Good luck with that one, LSU secondary. Yeah. You know, Kenneth Walker, I, I'm not going to say that's a Heisman moment yet. They okay. still have a lot. They have a lot of big games on their schedule, including probably the hardest game that anyone has on their regular season calendar. They have to go at Ohio State. I'm going to put that as the hardest game that anyone has to play for the regular season, at least off the top of my head, because Georgia and Alabama don't play mm -hmm. each other in the regular season. He dominates that game, it's his. Because yeah. he should dominate up until that game. Mm -hmm. Mel Tucker at this point is a phenomenal coach, by the way. I hope he stays there. I could see him jumping ship to LSU, but we'll see. That that's a topic for another day. Um, he's gonna get like this kid gets the ball. He's he's getting twenty plus carries every game. It yeah. seems like he continues to dominate. But that Ohio, like if he's dominating and then he plays Ohio State and they shut him down it's going to be hard for him to win it because it's already more difficult for a running back to win it. We know that the MVP in the NFL, we know the Heisman, uh, we, we know that these kinds of awards have really turned into a quarterback award. So mm -hmm. obviously that favors Bryce Young and, uh, and we'll see. Maybe if, can Corral get back into it if Alabama loses? I think all, no, because Auburn's ahead of them. Yeah, plus I wouldn't be, I mean, yeah, Corral could, I could definitely see Corral getting back into it, but it's going to kind of Without come down to, like we said, if, if Alabama loses again, and then if there's just, I mean, if Alabama loses, Kenneth Walker gets shut down. Cause I mean, I actually didn't realize this, but Sean Tucker from Syracuse did surpass Kenneth Walker by about 120 yards rushing for the top rush rushing title as well. Look, I think at the end of the day, if Michigan state loses two games and Alabama loses and Kenneth Walker is sitting there leading the NCAA in rush yards and rushing touchdowns, it's pretty hard not to give it to him for being the most dominating player when everything's wide open. Corral could definitely, Corral could definitely get back into it again. I mean, he's going to have Liberty this week. So he, Liberty, I mean, Liberty couldn't stop Syracuse. So I assume Ole Miss is going to hang a crooked number on him this week. I mean, I question it, is, can question is, can Ole Miss stop Liberty? <laughs> I feel like they got to be able to, man. I mean, Syracuse held this Their offense defense 20 is points. so bad. It is bad. Is it, so bad. No, it is bad. I heard someone draw the allusion to it. It's basically Ole Miss's defense tries to let you score as fast as they can so they can get the ball back and try to score as quick as possible again. So <laughs> That's pretty much how it plays out there. But, yeah, I still think – let's put it this way. I don't think this Heisman Trophy is is all wrapped up yet, but I'd say we're down to pretty much our two guys, and I would, no. put, I would put Corral sitting right outside of them. So it's going to be fun to watch how everything plays out in college football. we got another great slate of college football games as well that me and Ben will be talking about um, later on this week. But, Ben, let's get over to the NFL side of things. We had some big trades. It was NFL trade deadline. We didn't see Deshaun Jackson or Odell Beckham Jr. get traded. We'll talk about yeah. the Odell drama here in a little bit and how the Browns are unraveling as he's dismissed from practice today. But 
Vaughn Miller. Not a huge deadline. Yeah, not a huge deadline at all. This is not the NBA trade deadline. People don't realize there's really only been one crazy deadline ever. Um, Let's start out, though, with Vaughn Miller going to the Rams. In my opinion, this was the biggest move. Look, I don't know if you saw or not Vaughn Miller's – did you see Vaughn Miller's kind of where they caught him in the parking lot as he was leaving the Broncos facility? The news Mm -hmm. caught him out there, and he was like, yeah, he's like, we still got that one in Super Bowl 51. He was just like – he's like, it was really hard for me not to tear up on my way out of the facility. He's like, I had some great years and great memories in Denver, which was honestly awesome to see and how sad Vaughn was to leave and so much history he's made. Good for him. Yeah, he was the NFL Defensive Player of the Year multiple years while he was there. Um, Look – I think this trade is absolutely massive. This team is loaded. I don't think the I don't think the Rams ever want to have a draft pick again. But yeah, they have a super team. They have Vaughn Miller, Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, Jalen Ramsey just to start with in that defense. Best corner, one of the best pass rushers, best defensive tackle. Yeah, this team is absolutely loaded up. I mean, me and Ben, Ben, you took the did you take the Bucks or the Rams to the Super Bowl? I have the Bucks losing in the Super Bowl. That's the right. Bills. He's the Bucks. He's the Bucks losing the Bills. I had the Rams losing the Browns. So I mean, if you put ours to two together, I think we have a pretty good prediction right there. But Ben had, did have the Rams. I know playing in the NFC Championship game, so everything's lining up exactly how we thought it would. The rich keep getting richer. Um, yeah, you know what? You know what I think is actually underrated about how great of a signing this is for the Rams. What? What are the Broncos doing? Paying nine million of his nine point seven million dollar salary. Well, so what happened was the Rams gave them – so it's kind of misleading. They reported it as second-day draft picks. Well, they gave them a second- and third-round draft pick. And so the Rams actually didn't have the salary capped and open and able to pay Vaughn Miller. So they basically said, we'll take those two picks and we'll pay off this $9 million, which is honestly kind of a smart move for them. I mean, a second- and third-round pick are pretty valuable nowadays in the NFL, yeah. and especially for a team in Denver's situation. So, I mean, Denver could be in a position where they're trying to trade, you know, and go all-in for – new QB this offseason so stacking draft capital smart you know might as well plus uh, the Panthers paid a good bit of Bridgewater's contract off so they're not really paying shit for Teddy Bridgewater so you know it's kind of like a whatever move got it yeah um let's talk about Kansas City though Kansas City comes out here they get Melvin Ingram from Pittsburgh Ben do you think this could be the move to fix Kansas City's horrible defense well they needed pass rushing help other than Mm -hmm. Chris Jones uh they don't really have much you know what? I, I think they're trying to hide their bad secondary by getting to the quarterback. And obviously, this, I'm going to say this is a great move because Melvin Ingram was not happy in Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh wasn't happy with him. So it was kind of a mutual thing to get him out of there. Um, so that works for Pittsburgh. I think their fans are happy and I think Melvin Ingram's happy. Listen, he's a really good pass rusher, especially when he's the secondary pass rusher, which he kind of was as soon as Joey Bosa showed up yep. when he was on the Chargers. So he's getting back into that role. I don't think this changes much for the Chiefs' outlook. I think that, yes, they got a great player. I think their pass rush gets better. I think that's great news. Their secondary still stinks. Their offensive line still stinks. Patrick Mahomes is not going to stop trying to make a play on every single play, even when he's wrapped up going to the ground. His last interception against the Giants, he did something that you learn when you're playing peewee football to not jump and throw the ball at the same time. Yeah, That's not, that's not going to change. I don't. I still think the Chiefs are in a lot of trouble. The good news for the Chiefs um, is the leader in their division just took a big hit by losing one of their players. Uh, talking about the Raiders and Henry Ruggs, we don't have to get into all of that. Um, just unfortunate news for the family that lost. Um, I believe it was their daughter 
that got killed in the crash. Mm-hmm. Um, so thoughts and prayers to the family there. Um, you know, Henry Ruggs, he screwed up. That's that's all I need to say about it. Uh, the Raiders have already released them. The Raiders are winning that division right now. Are they six and two? That's a good question. Let me double check what their record is. I think they lost three games. I actually got it right here. I think they are. No, they're five and two. They had a bye this past week. Okay. So second place is the Chargers at four and three. They've lost two in a row now. Kansas City's at four and four, and Denver's at four and four. The Chiefs' schedule is one of the hardest in football. I know that they're a really good team. They're a team that kind of plays down to competition. Mm-hmm. But just because you're a team that plays down to competition does not mean you play up to competition. I still think they're in trouble, but I don't know if the Raiders are actually good enough to hold anyone off. I still love the Chargers. I do. I think they're going through a bad uh, stretch right now. I think with the Chiefs' schedule being really, really hard, the Chargers already winning a game against the Chiefs puts them in fantastic position to win this division. Yeah, I think the Chargers are in good position right now to win the division. Um, I actually do think that this trade helps Kansas City a lot. Christian Jones is going to be able to slide back and play D-tackle. They're going to have Frank Clark and Melvin Ingram blitzing off the edge. And look, I think having a pass rush and being good in the trenches is the key to all of football. Kansas City's offensive line was terrible, and their defensive line has been terrible. That may, that's a recipe for playing terrible football. Look at the Falcons we get to watch every Sunday. Terrible lines. I think fixing this line can fix a lot of the problems you have in the secondary and other problems you have on the field. Alex Okafor is supposed to be more healthy as well. I think Kansas City made the right move. Their defense is going to get healthy at the right time. I think Kansas City being able to pull out that win on Monday Night Football, as ugly as it was, was actually huge because, they're like you said, their schedule is going to get extremely hard. The fact they're 4-4 four and four right now instead of 3-5 and five completely changes their outlook for the rest of this season, and they still have their bye week coming up. I think this is the turning point Kansas City needs. They got to fix that secondary. But, I mean, as you mentioned, people are getting healthier. We mm-hmm. know the talent there. So, it is what yeah. it is. Yeah, absolutely. I, they, should run, they, should, they should run the football more. They've been effective running the football. And yeah, just, that's, that's who they found their run game more. But also, too, you got to think about it this way. Kansas City's losses have been to at the Ravens great teams. versus yeah. the Chargers versus the Bills and at the Titans. I think we just don't look at their losses the way we should, you know, just because it's Kansas City and we don't really think about it. They've actually – They just you know, look a lot worse. That's why people are freaking out. Yeah, exactly. It's the and way like, they're losing. Yep, and, like, they let Washington hang around. They let the Eagles hang around. That's just the thing. And Mahomes like is leading the league in interceptions. Yeah. Now, that too. And I also feel like it's probably – it's partially because the team just, you know, like we kind of talked – I guess we talked about it last week. You know, it's like the team's not doing well. Mahomes is like, all right, well, I'm Superman. I'm going to go make a Superman play. Sometimes he just needs to accept the play's broken and move on to the next one. Um, all right, let's move now to the team that plays in Ben's backyard, and that is the Tennessee Titans. Ben, your boy from mm-hmm. Alabama and your Titan boy, Derrick Henry, goes down with a with a foot injury. He's probably going to miss the rest of the season. Y'all sign Adrian Peterson. Can the Titans keep this rolling? Because as it looks right now, they're playing some of the best football in the entire NFL. Yeah, man. You know, we talked about it on the podcast a couple of weeks ago about this four-game stretch they were going on. Mm-hmm. It was the uh, the Bills on Monday night, the Chiefs at the Colts, and then at the Rams, which they're playing this coming week. They're 3-0. and <laughs> That's just unbelievable. Derrick Henry didn't even play well in two of those games, obviously against the Colts and against the Chiefs, and they're still getting it done. Um, I love Adrian Peterson. I, I don't understand the signing, to be honest with you. Um, I don't know. What is, what is Todd Gurley doing? Is he comfortable sitting on his couch? He's already gotten a big payday. Is he just, like, done with football? 
I, I would imagine I would rather have Todd Gurley, who has not been good in the past years over Adrian Peterson, who I guess has been decent. He was decent for Washington, but Adrian Peterson's like 36 years old. What is he really going to give? Um, oh no, I think I think Adrian Peterson's one of those freak generational athletes. Like, you just think he can like switch it on no matter what? I think he can. He still looks good. I think the main reason he's not in the NFL really is because he can't catch passes that well. But I feel like Adrian Peterson's about to st- about to the, you know, just be that power back because this is like really the only power run offense left. The Titans' backup running back McNichols, mm-hmm. um, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, is actually pretty good out of the backfield. Okay. Um, so he'll probably be the third down back from now on. He's been with the team for a long time. Um, so that's good for them in terms of like chemistry. Can the Titans keep going? I think they can because Tannehill's kind of proven at this point, don't you think? He's mm-hmm. had m- multiple good seasons in a row now. He's been a really good quarterback since he's been in Tennessee, even with a couple different coaches and coordinators. So I think he can keep it going. Listen, the defense, it's bad. We all know it's bad, but they're playing well. So you know, whatever it is, I think they're going to get – I could see them getting smoked by the Rams um, because that's not an offense you want to face with a bad secondary. But – and it's the first game without Derrick Henry, so I think it's a, just a kind of a bad spot for Tennessee. So I don't want people to overreact if they get blown out by the Rams. They can easily bounce back. This is the perfect coach for this team. When you're in the mud, when you're in a bad situation, that's exactly how Vrabel likes it. He's going to get this team going – they're in great shape to win the division. They've already swept the Colts, and no one else in the division is worth even talking about. It's the Jags and the Texans. Yeah, I agree with you completely. Tennessee's going to run away from this division, and if anything, like you said, you know they're going to get to play easier competition, so they can still get through the regular season. There is a slight chance, though, Derrick Henry could return for the playoffs, which would be massive, but I think you hit the nail on the head, Ben. They have the piece they still need there to continue winning in this regular season, and they're going to be able to win this division and get in the playoffs, which is all that matters. I mean – Think about it. Like you said, Tannehill's been playing good football. He has A.J. Brown. He has Julio Jones. They can still pick teams apart through the air. These other receivers have been coming on, too. Got, they were um, the ones who caught even the them. third receiver is good. Yeah, he has the double name. He was he caught, he caught I think, two touchdowns on Sunday. So Don't they have, like, Josh Reynolds or something? That's not the guy you're thinking Yeah, they do that. have Josh Reynolds, too, from the Rams. Yeah, and they have yeah. that double name dude as well. So, I mean, this Titans offense has plenty of weapons. I still think – like I think without Derek Henry in there, they're definitely going to lose a step, but I think they can also gain a step in other directions, becoming more of a pass team. And if anything, I mean, I think AP can still run, but I still think Adrian Peterson has something to prove. I think he's still pissed off the NFL suspended him that one year for the entire season. And I think that his, you know, he's pissed his all-time stats and everything don't reflect that. Adrian Peterson is my favorite running back of all time, so I may be a little biased, but I still think he's got something to prove and he's got some in the tank. And I think he's going to come out here and run all over teams again. He's easy to root for, man. Oh, yeah. He's awesome, man. He's he's always one of my favorite guys because he's one of the first guys I've watched play all the way through college to come to the NFL. Him and Calvin Johnson, they're in the same draft class. Um, all right, let's talk about our final topic here on the show. Me and Ben actually have been text, we're texting a lot of extent this week about this. But the Browns, Cleveland Browns, have become absolutely unraveled. Um, Odell Beckham mm. Jr. got kicked out of practice today. Um, ben, you want to tell him about the tweet that his dad had as well? His dad put out a tweet that showed Odell Beckham running a bunch of routes this season and Baker either not throwing it or missing routes, and there was some kind of music to it. I forget what the song was. Um, just not a good look. You know, you're 50, 60 years old, however old Odell's dad is. Like, I get that you're you, – what you want to protect your kid. You feel like your, your son's getting a bad rap and getting all the blame, 
Um, you know, I, I'm all for protecting them. You don't need to pro- – there's a different way to do it is what I'm trying to say. You don't have to throw someone under the bus. The, mm-hmm. Your son is playing in a professional organization. Your son is a professional athlete. Let's act like a professional. Let's not act like we're in middle school throwing people under the bus. I think it puts the team – you know what I think it does? I think it puts his son in a worse position. I think it puts the team in a bad position. That could – you know what? You think Baker Mayfield's happy with Odell? You think he wants to throw him the ball more now? No. You think Stef- you think Stefanski likes a father calling out his quarterback? It doesn't. It, it it's not good news. And you know, Odell's the type of player. It's it's supremely talented. One of the most talented wide receivers we have in the NFL. And injuries happen. You're never going to blame a player for injuries, but he's got character issues. He he has. He threw mm-hmm. fits on the sidelines left and right when he was playing for the Giants. He got fed up losing. He, he got out of there and. You get to go play with his best friend, and it hasn't worked out. And that happens. You fail in situations. But throwing people under the bus is not something I'm ever going to back. I think that's terrible professionalism. I agree. And you know what? Am I, I'm a little shocked they didn't trade him. I would want to get him out of the locker room. At the same time, the talent is still there. Yeah, I don't think anybody wanted him, though. If I'm not mistaken, Odell still has a very large contract. I don't even know, though, Ben, if the talent is there anymore. I mean, he really hasn't done anything since he's been on the Browns. I feel like he doesn't have the explosiveness right. or the separation. What was it right on the contract? I was just saying you're right. He hasn't performed at all. Oh, yeah. No, he's not performed at all while he's been Cleveland. I swear his explosiveness, his separation, his ability to go up and get the football, it's just not there anymore. And, you know, Baker Mayfield, you're right, Ben. He's not the most talented quarterback. He's got to have a good run game. He's got to have a good head coach to call plays for him. He's got to have good weapons around him. You know, that's just the way kind of being quarterback is sometimes in the NFL where you're better, just like the distributor of the entire offense. And that's just the way Baker is. And Odell, for whatever reason, I, I, I really think that Odell's frustrated that his career has ended up the way it has been. And I think the Browns are kind of, you know, the Browns have been one of the most injury-ridden teams in the NFL. And I feel like this, all this frustration, everything, it's really just unraveling for Cleveland. And as you all know, this was a team that I had high expectations for. So I hate to see it the most of anyone. Yeah, man. I mean, I definitely agree. Uh, all right. Um, I guess that's pretty much it we got for today's podcast. Anything you want to add, Ben? Let's talk about – yeah, let's talk about um, let's talk about Aaron Rodgers real quick. Yeah, let's do it. So Aaron Rodgers reported today he has COVID. He has been removed from Sunday's game and will not be able to play. The Packers also had players out last week for COVID. Spread jumped from Kansas City minus one all the way to Kansas City minus eight. Ben, what is the bet you said you got in on this game? Well, so I don't, I haven't placed the bet. I just think it's if you're talking in terms of betting, I think there's a very interesting way to look at this. The number is obviously favoring Kansas City. It's going up and up and up. It's now eight and a half is what I saw. Mm-hmm. Is that the is that what you just said? Yeah. Eight and a half is a terrific number to take a dog at. I mean, for obvious reasons. Um, you know, last time I checked, Jordan Love is not a rookie quarterback. He's been in the system for a while. Last time I checked, they're playing a team that's the worst team against the spread or one of the worst teams against the spread in the last two seasons. Just because you're playing a backup quarterback doesn't mean the Chiefs are better at covering. I think this is a tremendous spot for the number to keep going up against the Chiefs and to fade the hell out of them. Why would you not take the Packers in this situation, especially if Devontae Adams is back? Yeah, Kansas City's actually 0-8-8 ATS, their last eight home games. Should we take eight and a half right now? 
I don't know. I'm going to sit and think on it. I honestly think the number will keep on climbing up for us. I'm going to sit and think about this one a little bit just because, you know, this might be one of the ones I just don't bet at all. But I do agree with you. It is a great spot to take them. I mean, shit, you saw it with Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush beats the Vikings outright. It feels like the Vikings can't get anything right these days, and Zimmer's about out and the And I'll door. tell you this. if I know it's different offenses, different coaches, totally different situation. But if Jordan Love – if Jordan Love looks like he's never played football before and Cooper Rush put up those stats, the Packers have a lot of issues in their future. They don't re-sign Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, this could be Jordan Love's coming out party the and really the end of Aaron Rodgers. Special. Yeah, no, the Chiefs defense is not. This is the perfect situation for a guy like him. I mean, what's his name? Um, Melvin Ingram is not even going to really know the defensive system. I don't even know how much he's going to be out there for Kansas City. You know, he's not going to know the plays and stuff, so – then again, at the same time, you can't just tell a guy go get the quarterback because um, you don't need to know much for that. Um, are you surprised? I know that he hasn't been great in his career. He's been fine, I would say. Are you a little surprised Melvin Mel, Melvin Gordon wasn't traded for? Yeah, I was I really thought, surprised actually. I thought of like we said, we said we said Broncos Gordon should four be traded four. to Tennessee, and we said Tyrod Taylor should be traded to New Orleans. Or Teddy Bridgewater to the Saints. Yeah, back to the Saints, get you get him back. I mean, by the way, Sean Payton doesn't get enough credit for how good of a coach he is. As much as it pains me to say it, I hate the Saints with guts. But he made Trevor Simeon unstoppable in that game. I mean, how does Sean Payton yep. keep doing this? He's got the Bucks number, man. He, they they have Brady's number. Mm-hmm. They do hundred um, percent. That was actually probably the worst game I think I've seen Brady play in the last five years. Yeah, so like the names you and I thought were thrown out there, you know, Bridgewater, Melvin Gordon. Um, I threw out Mike Davis. I don't know why he was really yeah. good in Carolina last year. I just thought the Titans could have done something. I, I'm not saying AP is he's not bad. I'm, that's fine, but why not go get like Melvin Gordon and then just sign AP? Yeah, exactly. I, I'm and and roll with Javante Williams is the. I mean, Devontae Williams is clearly the future. Yeah. No, I agree with you completely on this one, Ben. It was definitely kind of stifling. I mean, I know it is tough though, to make trades in the NFL it's without the cap. Or, yeah, it is really tough. So that's probably why they didn't make them, but it would have made there's one last. There's one last thing, and I'm gonna. it's a shout-out to you. I'm going to give you a little plug real quick. Ladies and gentlemen, if you like to gamble, if you like to gamble on the NBA, the National Basketball Association, please follow – Thomas Penland on the action app. He even tweets his picks. So if you just follow him on Twitter, if you're not that big of an NBA guy like me, I only take Thomas's plays. If they're one and a half units or two units and above, ladies and gentlemen, the, the man doesn't miss often. He's incredible. Shout out to you for giving me the Miami heat pick last night. It cashed. I took, I actually took the money line just because my yeah. number was a little bit different than yours. You had two. Mine was like two and a half or three on mine. So I just went money line and put more money on it. Shout out to you. You're an unbelievable NBA handicapper with an unbelievable weekend. Appreciate uh, or, it, bro. I'm sorry, last night. You should have swept the board, honestly. Yeah, I appreciate it, bro. You know, I went 0-4 on Saturday, and ever since then, I've only lost. I've been, like, I think, like 13-3. Once, and three, once or so, twice, yeah. Yeah, like 13-3 and three since, so – I appreciate it, bro. You know, it's a long season. Can't get too high or too low, but that's where I, that's what I always tell people. That's where I do my best. I bet on football because it's fun to watch, but it's not easy to win, but we bet basketball to win money. All right, let's get up out of here. Um, ben, it's a pleasure talking about our world champion Braves. I can't wait to celebrate them more this week. That'll be one we talk about for the ages. Everyone, we appreciate everyone who tuned in. Talk to you all again soon.